Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. With me tonight, once again, is Troy Goodfellow. Good evening, everyone. Also joining us is GameShark Editor-in-Chief and No High Scores blogger, Bill the Straw Abner. Bill, welcome back <laughs> to the show. Thanks. Hi, everyone. How you doing? Alright, so tonight we're discussing uh, Total War Shogun 2, a game that is being widely hailed as both a return to form for Creative Assembly and also an innovative new direction for uh, Total War, particularly with its multiplayer. Um... Bill, let's start with you because I saw you awarded this a very hard to come by Game Shark A. Uh, where did this yeah. game Where did this game win you over? Well, I go back a long way with with the uh, series, back to the original Shogun, and I I have been of the opinion that ever since I suppose Rome, um, it's it's been sort of a steady decline for for the franchise. I thought I thought Empire was a sprawling mess, and while I was confident on well, no, that's that, that's that's actually the wrong word i was hoping that um shogun 2 would be a return to form it was uh wasn't something that was a guarantee by any stretch of the imagination i thought that they really captured everything that they should have tried to capture um from from fixing ai issues to just throwing so much detail into it it was it was a labor of love project more than it was okay here's just a bunch of stuff which is kind of how i felt empire was and then you throw in all the cool multiplayer stuff, and I saw no reason not to not to give it its give it a very high score. Um, whether it's an A, A minus, B plus, you know, that, that right. I mean, that's that's actually kind of irrelevant. But I I thought it was as good as as you could expect, even though there are some some AI holes, which I assume we'll be talking about later. But I I just love it. I think it's a great great game. So could you give us an example, of like you know, a little touch that that gave you that labor of love feel that's been lacking uh, in more recent titles? Okay, well, something as uh, something as I guess some would view it as mundane is just the artwork. Yeah, you know, just little touches like that. I thought it was. I think it's a gorgeous game. Um, little little touches like that to where you know they didn't have to do that. They didn't have to have this have this really cool music playing during during gameplay. They didn't have to throw this this gorgeous artwork at you during either not necessarily the cutscene, but like when you get. These alerts pop up and stuff. It's just, it's just a, a, it's a great game to look at, and to me, that shows that they were very serious about this. And then when you dig deeper into the gameplay, it's, uh, it's, it, it's a surprising game to me on many levels. I, I didn't expect it to be as good as it is, quite frankly. All right, now, now, Troy, um, you're not allowed to write reviews anymore. Uh, at least not for no, not, not formal reviews. Right. I'll say when I think about games, I can right. really say there are. We have. I'm not. My company represents nothing that will compete with Shogun. Um, so I can be, my I can be nice and honest here when I say that this is a really great game. Um, I actually liked Empire probably more than many people did, uh, but I understood why people didn't. Uh, like it because of the AI problems, but I love that they tried some new things, um, that they were taking some risks. I'm a big fan of risk-taking. Back to last week's talk about innovation. They took some risks, some serious design risks, and the spectacle was just amazing and awesome. Uh, but even though Napoleon you know, was a better game, you know, I could see the formula getting pretty tired. Um, Shogun follows the same formula, but it's refreshed and it feels new again. It feels almost like the first Shogun. I said, well, this is a game that uh, will bring people hopefully back to the Total War franchise if they've abandoned it because it is, as Bill said, it's a gloriously beautiful game. Now, when we saw this at E3 last year, Bill, was it? Mm-hmm. I mean, they were talking about all the 
graphics. I took Bill. I told Bill after. I said, you know, we know they can make a pretty game. This was not news yep. to me. I wasn't all that impressed that they can make a pretty game. Big freaking deal. Anybody can make a pretty game these days. But they showed all this artwork. That's nice. But how's that all going to fit? But there's this unitary visual feel to it. Everything fits together in a way that it didn't in even Rome, which I loved very much. Uh, I think it was their best Total War game until Shogun 2. Shogun 2 has, I mean, even that the technology interface is beautiful art, and that builds beautifully into the loading screens uh, with the pseudo-traditional Japanese art and into the map work and the glorious, glorious colors. Um, We'll get into a bit about how the game actually plays and why it's a stronger game. But as a visual beast and how it is a entirely connected graphic experience from beginning to end, it's just astounding. You know, in, in many ways, I think they, they had a very good guide in the original Shogun. Um, this feels like a much more ornate version of that game in a lot of ways. Um, because because that, that had that lovely you know, watercolor style map. But this one, it's there's just there's just so much more detail and now that now that aesthetic is kind of echoed throughout every aspect of the interface. Um in, including in little places that I kind of I kind of question the utility, like um army formations. Um what the hell is the reclining dragon? Oh there's all those man. There's what the swooping the crane with the with, with the uh, horse archers. Yeah, exactly. That that I could that I might actually be willing to do without. I might actually prefer a real formation description <laughs> as opposed to the 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 leaping tiger or whatever the hell. <laughs> I'm setting my army up in in that formation. Um but yeah, I I think you know, just to to take one example, uh the the tech tree I think was a was a wise is an example of sort of a a wise scaling back of the design where empire they they clearly wanted some sort of tech progression and they wanted that to tie into how you developed your empire, but I don't think it ever fit together in a really satisfying way. So here they made it much more straightforward. You know, basically you're going you're probably going to unlock technologies at roughly the same rate in every game. It really matters now what order do you want your advances in. Oh, sure, you're still filled with I understand what you're saying, but at, at at the same time, you're still presented with some very tough choices. The the scaling back, I think, of the entire game, again comparing it to Empire, has helped tremendously. Whether yeah. it's whether whether it's just just the overall size of the of the map that you're dealing with to to the to the like the to the to the arts to the master of the arts, I think that's helped tremendously because you are you are presented with very important choices that you have to make, and I and that's that's actually hurt my campaign games. Bouncing around from from one area to the next, and it, it's I have royally screwed myself more than once doing that. So, how is the tech, how is the technology screwed you in campaigns? Well, the the arts, the mastery of the arts. Okay. Trying to focus on one thing and then just trying to well, let me just waste waste a few turns getting something else I don't, I don't necessarily need, and then right. coming back, I'll I'll come back later and get this. When if I would have stuck to what I was doing, I could have got what I actually needed instead of just trying to, you know, paste on everything. I think that's helped the game from top to bottom. I really do. My one, my one source of disappointment, I suppose, is the the scaling back has definitely helped the game. Uh, particularly that the strategic AI actually seems to be able to play the game, uh, which in in you know starting in, starting with Rome, it really never knew how to play a total war game. 
So it was kind of like you versus a bunch of historical tackling dummies. You know, and, and it's good to sort of tailor the design around maybe the limitations of the AI, but there's also a part of me that's a little frustrated that with, with Shogun, they really seem to have kind of stepped away from the promise of the change they made back with Rome, which was the map was going to be much more open, there's going to be much more sort of room for maneuver, you could, you know, be a little trickier on the strategic level. Now, you know, on the strategic map, they've kind of carved japan into a set of narrow alleys right where there's a straight line from this city to that city and then that Mm -hmm. city goes to another one so there's no way an army can get lost the ai can't just sort of march ineffectually around in circles like it it has in the past you know on the one hand it works much better on the other hand at that point the the map is so constrained that i'm not sure why we i'm not sure why we have the 3d map at at that point It's, it's pretty yeah, <laughs> I mean, really, it is. It's pretty. I mean, I am. I am one of the. I, I'm. I'm not sure where I fit as far as what most uh, Total War fans believe, but I had no problem whatsoever with the with the old 2D taking the pawns. No, I loved it. You know, where you take your army and, and, and there's that boom sound. You know, when you move your army into that next area, I I actually loved that. You know, being being board gamers as we all are, you know, it, that's very familiar territory to us, and I never really embraced the 3d map of the total war games i never really did uh, even even rome um it, it's just something that never worked for me but i look at it as just the opposite rob i don't it is pretty it does kind of grab you and, and i don't mind the rigid pathing that has to be done whatever it takes for shogun 2 to be able to play its own game i don't care People are talking about how the AI sometimes cheats. And I've read where you'll see armies just kind of pop up out of nowhere. It's like, wow, where'd they come from? You know? Yeah, if I'm being screwed and if I'm being cheated, it is what it is. If if it makes it to where the game is more compelling and more enjoyable for me to play, I don't care one bit if that's what they had to do. I really don't. Troy? Yeah, I mean, the idea of the constrained map, and part of it is, you know, Japan is, you know, very narrow. Uh, there aren't a lot of, there isn't a lot of room for fancy maneuvers, and you know, samurai warriors generally weren't about a whole lot of fancy maneuvers. You found the enemy army and you confronted them. That was kind of how it worked. It wasn't about you know trying to avoid uh, the enemy army, no matter what Sun Tzu wrote. That just wasn't part of the Bushido ethos. So I'm fine with, uh, I'm with Bill. I mean, fine with having the constrained areas. It does mean that the battlefields are a lot less varied, which is problematic. I mean, almost every battlefield is. A few hills and there's a big plain in the middle and some trees. Yep. You don't have this, which is the great thing about Empire and Rome was that there was a real attachment to a geographic location. And you could say, well, Japan's the same up and down, but it really, really isn't. Besides the fact being a narrow mountainous corridor, you know there are colder areas with different vegetation in the north and to the south, and there are beaches. Um, there. Why aren't I fighting in rice paddies? Why can't I use that? Where are the rivers? Um, so there's the battlefields all fe- tend to feel the same from one battle to the next. Well, just you know, w- one note on that. I-, I think to some extent you can almost chart the history of the Total War franchise as the slow leveling of hills and valleys. Uh, because if you remember the first Shogun game, yeah, yeah. some of the most ridiculous, exaggerated terrain I've ever seen in a war game. I mean, <laughs> well, like it took forever to climb to climb one of those hills. 
Yeah, but you know, I kind of loved it because you put your archers at the top of this just unbelievable mountain. And they would start coming, they would start climbing up toward you, and you, you guys would be you guys would be dropping them from almost like arrows would fly like a kilometer out and start like dropping samurai. But it, it all these maps had such wonderful character. And now I, I agree. I, I think it's it's become much more perhaps real perhaps more realistic, you know, where it's unlikely that two armies are going to like one army's going to look at an impossible battlefield and say, Yeah, let's just charge them up that mountain. Um you know, you're you're going to have more of these you know, gen- more gentle terrain for battles. But I I, I do kind of miss the uh the dramatic uh terrain you found in earlier Total War games. You know, one one thing that uh has come up in a lot of reviews is the difficulty, the challenges in place, and we should probably get into a bit of what you were talking about, Bill, uh, with how the AI. It's definitely uh, certainly on the higher higher difficulty levels. It is certainly cheating, okay. um, but but the game also takes a lot of other steps to you know keep the keep the challenge level appropriate. Uh, so so what what have you guys noticed with both the uh, the AI and the difficulty? The well, AI is much better. Which The AI is just much better. I mean, it's not just on the campaign map, but in the battle map. I mean, I've seen things that I haven't seen in a very long time. I mean, probably maybe ever in a Total War game. I mean, say what you want about the old, you know, pawn moving the 2D map things. The AI was always psychic. I mean, it always knew where you were going to move. And would move three armies to counter your one because that was the only way it could compete in the battlefield by sending three large armies to take out your one army. It wasn't any brilliant AI. The AI was cheating. It's always been cheating in the Total War games. This is nothing new. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you can see it making decisions that you can attribute to, I mean, maybe the AI cheating. It could be just, you know, the old phenomenon of gamers thinking the AI is being smart when, in fact, it's being random. But you can, I, like I've mentioned in a blog post, I've seen armies reform their lines. Yeah. Something I never saw in a Total War game. Um I've seen the AI know that, understand the uh, rock, paper, scissors bits between the units. Something oh, absolutely. Like, that was often a problem in some of the Total War games. Um, not so much in Rome, but it was a problem in Medieval and Medieval 2, where it didn't quite know which units to send after your horses. Now it knows pretty damn well how to, how to kill your horses pretty damn fast. Uh, the AI still will send in its general on a suicide mission. It's yeah. problematic, but, you know, that's something they can hopefully uh, calm down a bit. But um, the battle AI is just so much better. Um, I I mean, it used to be you would need to have a at least a two, two and a half to one advantage against me before I would have to worry about not being able to use the terrain. Now I'm actually thinking before I engage an army over whether I actually have the right matchup of forces to take on that army. Um, so it's making me be more careful in my battles uh, on the hard and even on normal at times difficulty level. I'm very, very pleased with the AI. Bill? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I I saw one uh, one battle talking about the, the suicide charges as they just sort of charge with their general and try to find yours, you know, just like run right at them. I, I saw one of that um, in it was actually in one of the uh, one of the game diaries that I wrote up to where they were charging right at me and I'm thinking well this is these guys are going to die 
and then right when they got to the to the tree line, it was almost like a faint maneuver. And then they moved, and they moved down the line to the left and hit me in the flank, and I wasn't expecting it at all. I've never seen that happen ever in a total war game, <laughs> and it was and it was it was so cool to see. The AI, to me, is certainly good enough. Um, on the campaign map, I think it does a fine job. In most battles, I think it does a fine job. It still struggles mightily when you throw castles in. Yeah. It, it yeah. has all kinds of problems deciding how to siege, how to actually perform a siege. Um, defending, not not as bad. I think the AI has always been decent when it's playing defense. But if it has to mount an attack on your or a stronghold, right. it's, a, it's in serious trouble. Serious Have you seen trouble. what I've seen, Bill, where they just divide their forces in stupid yeah. ways? They yep. surround yeah. their castle and... You'll see a lot of that. You'll see a lot of strange strange divisions going on. And talking about how it knows how to use units, I agree with you for the most part, except when you get back in, in into sieging. Oh. I actually saw the AI leave its own castle one time with its archers, which I thought was interesting. Hmm. Um... But for the most part, I am I am pleased. But I don't I don't I don't want to come across as saying that that it's flawless because it certainly isn't. There is no, definitely no. room room for improvement. The uh, CJI has has problems, and it doesn't seem to care if it loses its general or not. It'll still charge right ahead, right you know right up right up to your castle. Of course, when it's when it takes arrow fire, it's like oh wow arrows, and it'll turn around and leave after it's lost half its half its horse. I don't know. I, I kind of feel like if you remember when the, when the series started, the suicide general. It was a really bad problem because the general would seriously like race out ahead of his army and mm-hmm. go get himself killed. Like especially at river crossings, right? You always see the general first guy across, you know, dead. Um. Here, I I don't know. I think the the AI definitely throws its generals into the fight, but honestly, uh, the survival rate for my generals is not much better. Uh, they're 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 really. <laughs> It's a powerful unit. It's a powerful unit, and you throw it in at you know wherever things are getting really dicey, and you hope for the best. And especially um, if if your family is fruitful, you've got a lot of these little generals' bodyguards you can just throw into the fray. And uh, I'm certainly not shy about sending three or four brothers to go deal with a problem on the flank. And if you know three of them buy it, well, we've still got one heir. Um, so that's that's kind of how I, I approach that problem. And I think the I'll cut the AI slack there. One one thing I've I've noticed is uh, the AI definitely seems to be drawn to concealment. Uh, I I had one I had one battle where I was I was trying to get around their flank and there was a stand of trees that I was advancing advancing towards. It was off to my left flank and I was thinking, yeah, I'm I'm flanking the AI. This, I'm doing a really good job. Well, the AI had actually sent. A lot of its army, and it didn't. This was not near its starting location. It actually sent a good part of its army into these trees, so that just as I was turning my flank to envelop them, suddenly, oh wait, there's a quarter of his army right there, perpendicular to my line, and I just got rolled. So occasionally, it does some very good things to keep you honest. Uh, by and large, um, you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's made huge strides on the battlefield, but it's definitely. It's definitely more competent. Than it's than it's been in a long well, time. Oh, absolutely. I, I would say that's a huge strike. Yeah, that's that's very true. I, I would oh, say yeah. I would say in Nepal, I would say a lot of the advances we see here took place in Napoleon. Yes, I would say that. Yeah, I I must admit I did not play Napoleon. I was so upset with 
particularly the battle AI. I know a lot of guys are talking about, you know, they don't use their boats and everything, but I was so frustrated. And I know that uh, Troy, Troy and I have thought this before. Whenever you throw guns into a in, into a Total War game, there's issues. And I, I really struggled with, with how the AI worked in Empire. I, I mean, and I, I know, Rob, you, you really enjoyed Napoleon, and, I would, and I, I've been wanting to go back and actually play that to see, to see if it's worth investing some time into. Well, I would just I would love to know the story of kind of what happened in the wake of Empire, because when Napoleon came out, there were so many good new ideas with that game. I was really surprised at how innovative, you know. For, I, I don't ex- I don't generally expect expect much from expansions, and it kind of seemed like Creative Assembly was just kind of throwing that out there, um, you know, just to just to get out the requisite Napoleon game. But when I played it, it had all these great little ideas like that have sort of, that have carried over in a shogun, like the way um reinforcements or losses are replenished based on what you've done to develop the province. You ha you know, an army can't just you can't just like buy new troops from your army and, you know, spend money to instantly replace your losses. It's still going to take time to rebuild an army depending on where you are in your empire. And it won't happen at all if you're on the offensive. Uh, you know, winter attrition was introduced in Napoleon. And I don't know, I, I feel like, you know, Napoleon just also featured a lot of a lot of the same scaling back, and it, the Battlefield AI was, again, like, not brilliant, but but competent. And I, I'm, I'm just really curious, I, I, I would love to know, kind of, what sort of reshuffling happened inside, inside Creative Assembly after Empire. Like, you know, did was, was Napoleon kind of a test bed for what they were thinking of doing with the next game? Because it's really striking to me how much continuity of design there is between these two games, which I don't think has been the case uh, in the past with Creative Assembly, where I think there was always like the the engine team that created, you know, say Rome, and then created Empire, and then there was the you know iterative team that did uh, Medieval Two, right, and Napoleon, and it seems like that has kind of gotten shaken up here. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to know what they were thinking. Uh, as many of their decisions, but um, Napoleon is underappreciated. I can't say I've played a lot of it, um, and you can see a lot of, you can even see a lot of Rome in um, Shogun 2. You want to look at it that way, and a little bit of Napoleon in some ways, in that what makes Shogun 2 work really well for me, is something I loved in Rome, what makes Rome my favorite, is that there is a plot to Shogun 2. There's an overarching scheme. You have to become Shogun. And the Shogun isn't just something you do by conquering a bunch of territories. You actually have to fight against the current Shogun. You have to gain his attention so he respects you, but not so much attention that he comes and smacks you with the rest of Japan. So there's this whole balancing act that you had in Rome as well, where you have to have be strong enough to take on your two Roman rivals. Um, so there is an end game. We have to hold the capital. You have to hold it for four turns against everyone trying to stop you from being shogun. It's whole, that's something that you didn't really have in Empire. You didn't have in Medieval, yeah. really. And that's something that's coming out of Rome, this idea that there is an end game. That's made Rome so good. Shogun 2 has an end game. And you're looking forward to that and planning towards that. And I think that helps... Uh, gird the strategy as you're playing because you know what you're shooting towards it's not just counting territories like an empire well this one's very heavily defended but hey finland's weak i'll just grab finland and end the game you can't do that you actually have to move forward 
and think about your next step towards the end of the plot. And I think that is an important part of what makes Shogun 2 work. And that comes out of Rome. Have you guys seen um, another clan become Shogun? No. No. That's happened in my game. I no my way, game, really? My game with the Shimazu. I was talking to Tom about this, and he hadn't seen it either. Yeah. Uh, is it is it the the Hojo clan? The the guys with the blue flags. Um, I think it's a. They became Shogun. Huh. They they actually took it over and did it, and, and I was stunned to see that. Um, I was getting ready, um, starting with the Shimazu in the. I always forget the name of that small island there on the bottom left, but that's where you start, and then you move up on the Honshu. And I, as I'm as I'm moving over, and I'm starting to take things, things are getting really dicey, and I'm fighting, I'm fighting the Takeda and these guys. The next thing I know, the show the Shogunate had fallen, and, and someone else took it. I thought that was really neat, and that the AI would actually, is actually trying to do that. I think that's really cool. That is very cool. No, I haven't seen that. Wow. No, I I haven't seen that at all. So the question that raises for me is. How could you let them get so strong, Bill? I didn't even... I hadn't met them yet. They're, uh-huh. on, they're on the right side, uh, the right half of Honshu, and uh-huh. I, had n- I had no contact with them. Well, it's, well actually a little, little. it's actually a little frustrating for me in, the, in this game, like how little information you have about what the hell is going on. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a big problem with the game, actually. I love the hand-drawn map thing and exploring it and pushing back the black... As I said, as I say about civilization, the whole point is to expose more of the world. But really, I mean, this is Japan. They know what the big families are doing, so they should have. You should have some idea. Yeah, I'm okay with I'm okay with fog of war, but I'm not okay with complete strategic blindness. Right. You should know who owns what cities. Really. Um, I, you know, for my part, I'm a little frustrated with how much pushback there is in this game. What do you mean? One of the reasons that Shogun is much harder and much more of a challenge. Uh, well, I mean, it starts at the very beginning, right? With a lot of other Total War games, certainly like with Medieval 1, Shogun, starting position actually mattered a great deal. There were, there were factions that started with maybe just a, a province or two, but there were also major factions who were kind of, you know, the game was tipped towards them, and they were very easy to start off with because you're going to start with a lot of provinces, a lot of resources. Uh, think, of, think of the, uh, the Byzantine Empire in, in Medieval 1. Where you you're pretty much you're the eastern you're you're the remnant of the Eastern Roman Empire and if you don't screw it up you're going you, you know you got a good shot at winning the game here everybody starts with just a tiny little scrap of territory under their control and an enemy right there you know on the doorstep. Well, it's it's certainly more difficult for some than others. Um, the Oda they die every time. Yeah, yeah. They die every... I have started and restarted. When I got uh, my early review copy, I thought it was a code issue. I was like, okay, something's wrong. Because I must have started 20 campaigns. Just one, just, just the first turn. Just hit hit the intern button the first time and the Oda die every yeah. time. I've never seen that not happen. And I had even contacted Sega. I was, I was like, is this right? And they told me no. I was like, no, you know, my game, the Oda are doing wonderful. Well, I've never seen it. So I started a campaign with the Oda. It's like, what the hell's going on here? You know, just how it's brutal. Have you have you guys tried that yet? Some I haven't tried the Oda, but I've tried. Try a, the Oda. I'm, I'm, I mean, you. I'm sure you played the Shimezu because they have like no. They only have to protect one flank, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, why, that's why I started. That's why you picked the Shimezu. Sure. And so I mean, and, but if you have because if you have more than one enemy, 
uh, on your borders in Shogun 2, you have to play the game pretty smart. Um, you can't just... It isn't like the other Total War games where the armies are going to futz around for a bit. They're going to come and they're going to kill you. They're coming after you. Um, so you have to play the diplomacy pretty early uh, and hope you can suck up to somebody um, yeah. before they come that, and, and, and get you. And the Oda are in a terrible, terrible spot. Terrible. Yes. I mean, yes. Have you tried that, Rob? No, I haven't tried the Oda. Uh, I've tried um, Shimazu, uh, Chosokabe, and uh, I think Date, but I've not I've not tried Oda. It is incredibly difficult, and and on the I think I lasted three seasons. Oof. Three Yikes. seasons. It's like, oh, I see why they're dying now. So if anyone out there has actually successfully played the Oda, good on you. <laughs> Please tell Bill how you did it. Yes. How did you do that? Right, so okay, so they're extraordinarily difficult, but with my other campaigns, I find my early game, one early game is very much like all the others. Uh, they're, they're following very similar trajectories because the starting positions are very similar. Uh, you've got to deal with your, your first natural enemy, and then you get to pick you know, whichever, which of your small neighbors uh, you, you, you want to take out. And I mean, starting, starting with, all, with you know, that small patch of territory... It takes forever to start rolling out respectable armies that are more than ninety percent. Um, Ashigaru, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's really no different from the rest of the Total War games. You look at the, even the first Shogun. You were running around with peasant spearmen for usually half the game before you had any decent, uh, proper samurai. Not the way armor. I played it. Well, okay, you were maybe better at it than I was. Uh, <laughs> but there's, I, mean, I know that in in Rome, I mean, you would be the time you know carthage would have fallen before you got any real legions uh yeah so the problems of money and you're running with you know early legions or conscript legions or something crappy like that um this is really something that's not unusual in the total war games you look at look at the medieval for god's sakes how long was for getting real knights um they this is you could say this is a problem with their design that they always want to keep give you good stuff to build towards instead of you say here's a bunch of good units that the Japanese actually had when they started. Well, no, they want to show them to you, trickle them out bit by bit, make them rewards. You could say that's a design issue; it's just ahistorical, um, but it's certainly the way they've always done it. See, no, I don't. I don't think so. This this to me feels very different. Like with medieval, you know, it takes forever to get to. I don't know. Say like say like um, you know chivalric knights you know with the full plate armor and everything but a lot of that is given with each new era in the game but you can still get you can still climb up you can still climb up the tech tree within your era and it doesn't take long before you're getting you know men at arms uh you know mounted troops and then your first your first knights so you can still you can still get like good armies of like professional soldiery here i find my armies are, with, with some decent variety here i find my armies lean very heavily toward peasant spearmen and peasant archers and maybe a couple of samurai which the the only the only reason that bothers me a little bit i suppose is again sort of the toolbox angle where i like to bring out i, I like to bring out the fun units you know i like to bring out the, the 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 best samurai i like to bring out the heaviest knights um and and have a have a good variety out there to play with here i kind of feel like <laughs> i don't know like um, katana samurai are are the uh, are the spice to what is otherwise kind of a fairly bland military. 
I mean, this is going to be a problem with Shogun anyway. I mean, because they're all Japanese units. You're not going to have the variety. It's also a problem with Empire, uh, for that matter, where you just don't have the same variety and exoticism between sides. Yeah. Um, playing the Date is going to be the same as playing the Shimazu for the most part. You get different bonuses for your units, but, you know, they're, both, they're all going to be Japanese armies. So, yeah, there's not a lot of... There's maybe some spice and not a whole lot of meat, um, but that's kind of what happens when you constrain it to a certain geographic area in a, over a couple of centuries. This is a much smaller time frame, remember. So yes, you can say in medieval they can give you the man of, men at arms pretty early, but that's because they have you know another 250 years of units to give you. That's very true. Whereas here they really don't. So they're still going to do the trickle, but they got to spread the trickle out of a shorter historical time period over a game that takes pretty much the same number of turns. Yeah. So, uh, diplomacy-wise, uh, do you guys find it, it plays a good game of diplomacy? Yes and no. Sometimes I, 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 I think you lack information sometimes. Um, yeah. And along the same lines, things can be a little bit scatterbrained. I mean, I shouldn't... I don't think I should be able to form an alliance and a, and a trade agreement in the spring... And then in the summer, I have war declared on me by the same clan. Not a big fan of that. Um, which doesn't happen often, but has, ha- but did happen in, in, in my last game. Um, I do like how when you, uh, if you have allies, they will actually come and help you. And sometimes too much. I think that's really kind of cool. I was in a war where I asked my ally, hey, come help me. He signed on. Well, he signed on and then started taking provinces that I wanted to take myself. Mm. Um, so that part, I think, is really cool. But there's still a little bit of cloudiness in there with, with, with certain pieces of information. I envy you, Bill. You sound like you have the most exciting and interesting games of Shogun. Yeah, I don't... I, I've abs- oh, absolutely, man. When I played... Uh, when I, again, this is all the, that, that really big Shimazu thing that I, that I was writing up. The Mori... The Mori clan were just a huge thorn on my side. I went up onto on the mainland on Honshu, started to move east, ran in to what was... The Mori had died. They had been yeah. killed off. And then I, I, I ran into their home province. What was their home province? Well, when I, when, I, when I captured it, of course, it says, you know, you want to loot, occupy peacefully, or make vassal. I didn't realize that I could more or less bring the Mori back to life. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Let's see what happens. So I did that. They were grateful, and then they just started expanding like crazy. So I'm sitting there thinking, all right, well, what in the world have I done here? I've just unleashed this clan, and they're they're just picking up provinces left and right. So then when I went to war with the... uh, Oh, shoot. It starts with an H, and I can't remember the name. But anyway, I went to war... Hattori? Yes. And the... Mori, I asked the Mori to come along, and man, did they ever come along. They just started picking up places left and right, realized how strong they had gotten, and then declared war on me. Son of a bitch. As a vassal. Okay, I want whatever copy of Shogun you've got. You haven't seen that? <laughs> no. Seriously? No, man, my, my vassals, my vassals are, are, are weak and pitiful, and I have to protect them. They're, they're, no, they're well, like, they're like little... Ooh, I, I, I think vassals reflect their masters. Oh yeah, 
<laughs> no, see, see, they, they, they know not to challenge me. They, they, they know That's there's no point. What it is. Yes, That's did. probably more what it is. But yeah, that was. That, I thought that was one of the coolest things that I had, I had seen happen. Um, the Mori had become a real serious threat, and I was like, "What is going on?" Um, the other, uh, what's the clan uh, just north, the Sagara? Yeah, they're just north guys. of the uh, Shimazu. Yeah, I, I allied with them on the first turn of the game. Because I wanted to take care of the E2 in the east. I was like, all right, you stay that, that, there. That, that, that's how I my Shimazu game. Huh? Yeah, that's my, that's like, my opening. Like, we're good. I'm heading east. Took care of that. And for years, the Sagara were, we were tight. I mean, just absolutely tight. Until the Christians came in. And Did when you the bring Christ- them in? When, I, no, I kicked them out. But the Sagara converted. And when that happened... All hell broke loose. They went from being very friendly to indifferent in the span of about two years. And it was all because of Christianity. And again, I thought that was just the coolest game mechanic. And it really worked. It really worked. And I could see them amassing armies. I'm like, I'm not liking this. Because the only other clan on this island is me. Yeah. And if they're going to expand, there's nowhere for them to go but through me. Either... Either across the strait uh, on onto Honshu, that's me, or they can head out east. That's me too. So it it was it was much consternation when when the Christians showed up, and then I just thought that was extremely cool. Yeah, that, that sounds fantastic. See, for me, I I, I find my games follow slightly, I guess, more predictable course where. I kind of feel like I'm the prime mover in the game, and the AI doesn't have a great deal of agency except to sort of try to, um, you know, basically basically trip me up. Where I I find that my allies won't really help me that much, but they will turn on me the moment I declare war on a nearby neighbor. Uh, I find that the moment I begin making progress, all my relations go to hell. And you can say that's realistic. People are smart. I don't know. To me, I still feel like I you know I never get that feeling in this game that I sometimes do in, say, a sieve, where you've got that one AI faction that really is your buddy, and you, you know, they will actually come, st- they will actually step up for you, and you'll, you'll watch their back, where you actually feel there's a real, a special relationship, as it were. This feels much more, feels much more contrived, usually. But hearing you talk about it, I, I begin to think, well, I mean... Maybe mine's the anomaly. You know, I can just base. Yeah, it but on, if, if it has on. the capacity to happen that way, though, that's really oh, yeah. exciting. Well, I've, yeah, heard some, that, I've heard similar stories work. to Bill's. I've heard other. I mean, I've never seen anything that cool, but I haven't seen. Yeah, I just lie down and wait for me to determine what their fate would be. So. Yeah. No, this Shimazu game. Yeah, uh, when when the Hojo became Shogun, that shocked me. When the Mori did what it did, that shocked me. The, when when the Christians caused so much strife in my home area, that was. Well, that was that was that was really cool too. Um, again, I wish that the game, because I I don't think it's a bug and I don't think it's AI related. Going back to to the whole Oda thing, I would like the Oda to actually be a player. Yeah, right. Because they're not as, as they were historically. They were the players. yes, absolutely. Are <laughs> so they are dying in yours as well. You, you yeah, guys do oh, see yeah. That? they're they're yeah. on the very first turn. Yeah. Okay. Um. So so, what, so, that, so that so that guy lied to me. Well, maybe he's just playing a a special internal build that's that completely <laughs> I guess, works. I guess he is. <laughs> um, so we should we should talk a bit 
about the multiplayer. Um, so I haven't tried, so you guys have to leap in here. You, you should you should try it. Um, I've you know, Bill. I know you were really high on the uh, cooperative campaign. I liked the cooperative battles in the cooperative campaign. I thought the campaign itself was still not really any great shakes. It was well done, but yeah, I think it's one of those things to where I know that everybody wants a full on every clan is human controlled, and I think people have wanted that from their from the first Shogun. You know, you heard people clamoring for that. Oh, wouldn't it be awesome if you had... Yeah, that's a be careful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but be careful what, what, what you wish for. There's right. It might not be as good as you think. Um, but I like it. I think that they've done about as well as it is as it can be done. I don't think there's much downtime. I like the fact that you can share your armies and, and play it cooperatively, and I think it keeps things moving along. I really enjoy that. And I, you know, I have, I have a buddy of mine uh, who I graduated college with, and he now lives in China. Um, and he's a huge strategy geek. He loves this stuff. We're, we're enjoying it quite a bit. For me, I've been spending a lot more time with the uh, Avatar Conquest. Oh, sure. I, I can understand that, too. Which, that, that's very addictive. Yeah, it really takes those RPG elements that are present in the campaign with, you know, progressing your generals up their own skill tree and sort of customizing what they need to do. Uh, which which actually I was kind of turned off when I saw it because, well, I remember the thing Tom brought up a while ago, right? Why the hell is every game turning into an RPG? I was a little bummed when I saw it here until I started playing around with it. And then I thought, well, these bonuses are really cool. And Avatar Conquest just takes that and runs with it. Uh, where units are progressing, your general is progressing... My my one beef with it is um, I kind of feel like some of the rewards are diminished for developing your general and units because they actually become commensurately more expensive to have in your army mm-hmm. uh, when you get them, so they take up more room in your army, right? Which which means in the in this series where where I think quantity definitely tends to trump quality because you know if you can get a flanking force out there, it doesn't matter if those guys are great soldiers. You know, the flank bonus is going to wipe them out. Um, I kind of feel like the game, it's cool to have all these veteran units. The game is also kind of discouraging me from employing them. I kind of wanted more of a, um, you know. I think that's fair. A bit of a franchise mode, right? Where you've got your awesome star players. Right, 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 right. Well, they put a really stiff salary cap into this game. Or, you know, even even going back to something to where you felt more of an attachment to those those five-star units like a Panzer General. Yes. You know, something like that. Sure, I, I can I can see that criticism. Were you were you alone? I mean, I I I was I couldn't get my head prior to release and talking about. It, I couldn't get my head around Shogun 2's multiplayer. I couldn't understand what they were. I mean, I watched some videos. I even we, we conducted interviews with the development team. And prior to release, like you know what? I still have no idea what to really expect from the multiplayer. I couldn't grasp what Avatar Conquest was really all about. And it seemed like I couldn't get a straight answer about the co-op campaign. So I was pleasantly surprised when it turned out as well as it did. I didn't expect it to be that much that much fun because I, I, I couldn't quite grasp where they were going. Yeah. Which, so yeah, but for the most part, I am, I, I am certainly playing. I think most people still play it as a solo game. Have, oh. have you... Have 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 either of you tried the drop in battles in your yeah. solo game? I haven't. I, 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 I didn't do that. Keep the difficulty low. Really? Because <laughs> well, here's here's the big problem with that. Um, and I mentioned this in my last piece for Game Pro. It was the games are tuned for the AI not to be that brilliant, 
And when you have a human taking its seat, the performance is going to go up. So, you know, you, you take the results of that battle, and then you put it in that strategic conquest, you just screwed uh, up your game. The I other, can see, I can see that. The, the, the big killer, though, is this. Because it's not fun for any, anybody to be sitting there watching their army route, you have no choice, you have no option to pursue and run down the routing enemy. The game ends the moment the last units go into route, and mm. additional casualties are not inflicted. And if you know Total War, that's where you get your victory. Oh, yeah, it's in wiping out the survivors. That's what gives you. That's what allows you to take the province. It's not the battle itself. It's the mopping up. When you take that out of the picture, suddenly, okay, you won the battle. You lost the same number of troops as the enemy. Strategically, it made no difference. Mm. That's a little problem with the system. Obviously, there's a lot more we could say about this game, and I'm sure it will be coming up a lot over the next few months on this show. Before we get to our closing thoughts, I would like to remind listeners to keep their eyes on Flash of Steel for information about Troy's upcoming Canadian meetup, and exhort you all to visit the outstanding nohighscores.com, where Bill and the rest of our favorite game, shark, game sharkers, I guess, uh, write about game games sharkers. in the game okay. industry. It's really a great blog, but you'd be very, very proud of the work you guys are doing over there. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been... Uh... We have been pleasantly surprised both by the traffic and our ability. Didn't expect that. No, it's it's absolutely fantastic. The, it's, the it's, ability constantly astonishes me. <laughs> me too. Uh, it's definitely what I've what I've long hoped that Game Shark might turn into. But it's it's good to see you guys like finally have a canvas for your talents, as it were. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, for my part, I encourage listeners to check out Bill's review of Shogun Two and my series for Game Pro. Uh, I would also ask once again for input and suggestions for a 3MA website, because once I return from an upcoming business trip, I want to get a move on that. As usual, my thanks go out to Bill and Troy for being with me tonight, to Michael Hermes for producing the show, and to you for listening. Now, gentlemen, after Shogun 2, uh, what do you want to see next from the Total War series? Bronze Age. Okay. It's a really good Bronze Age historical game. Um, I think there's a lot like Shogun, you will have very similar armies, um, it's once again be melee combat for the most part, the, uh, which is better than missile combat for the Total War series. And it's a world that I think uh, could use a really good triple A strategy title. Bill? Alexander. Um, I never played the Alexander. That Neither. was a Rome expansion, right? Yeah, and it was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Never it was played just, it. It was just a campaign, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hell, yeah I yeah. would like I w- I would like a full on Alexander game. I, I'm such a fan of that of that era, and I think that lends itself very well to the game's engine. So that's that is definitely where I'd like to see it go. Rob? I would love to see a Renaissance Italy game. Like something just really set, you know, in the in the time of Machiavelli, just just a game set in that context. Um I know the medieval games have sort of touched on it. But I think if you narrow the focus, sort of the way they've done in Shogun, mm-hmm. with these RPG elements and just all the little changes they made to sort of heighten the intimacy of the game, I think what they've done in Shogun 2 suggests to me that you know the the time the time is ripe for a really outstanding um, you know I- invasion of Italy game. So that's you have Assassin's Creed. What more do you want? Uh. <laughs> he, he, he wants to he wants to punch the pope harder. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> so no, if that, cool if that game if that game includes a Da Vinci machine gun, 
Um, it will be it will be strategy game of the decade. Uh, just deploy just deploy yeah, like cool. deploy Da Vinci be weapons. Cool. It'll be great. Um, all right. Well, I think that does it for our show this evening. And uh, thanks so much to you both for uh, helping me sort out this topic. Where else? Yeah, it's great. Be? Always, always fun to be here. I always enjoy it. Good night, everybody. Bye, everyone.